welcome to this week's edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey. Hello there, I'm The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. A very good day to you all. Uh, And with me, as is now becoming um, incredibly usual, is Norwich City stats guru, NCFC numbers, aka Steve Sanders. How are you, Steve? Are you well? I'm I'm very well, yeah, yeah. Um, You know, obviously... Still looking longingly out the window for hours a, a day, but um, no, kind of getting used to it now by yourself. Yep, uh, much, much the same, but we're, we're, we're pressing on and we're doing very well in the circumstances, so I think that's the way to deal with it. Um, now, uh, there is no football at the moment, of course, but there are still lots of great articles to read across the athletics, such as Reliving the Fun of Bolton's Galacticos Upsetting Football's Elite under Sam Allardyce, or Jeff Stelling's Plan to Save Football. Uh, he does have a lot of time uh, spare on Saturdays now, and that's what he's done with it. Uh, and, of course, for a Norwich slant, there's my piece on how the Canaries are using the current suspension, working in the community and preparing for football's return. Now, by listening to us, you can get a 40% discount on a subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash Norwich pod. All our podcasts are completely free to listen to and ad free versions are available to subscribers via the app. Now, with no football to discuss, we will be doing something a little different over the coming weeks, starting right here and right now with our first special guest. Uh, Here we go then. Uh, Joining me and Mr Sanders for this podcast is a man who was a Premier League striker for Norwich City, wore a silly squad number for a Premier League striker at Norwich City and admitted Leeds and Warnock didn't quite get the best out of him. I hope you've guessed it. Welcome to On The Ball, Mr Steve Morrison. Back again to the young defender Ryan Bennett, on to Howson, who turns brilliantly and plays the ball through here for Steve Morrison. In the Arsenal area, Morrison! Yes! Steve Morrison makes it 3-3! It's the second time he's scored against Arsenal this season and he celebrates with the Norwich fans in that corner of the ground. What a finish from the substitute and it's level again. Arsenal 3, Norwich 3, a terrific finish from the striker Morrison. How are you, Steve? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, are you somewhere nice at the moment? Uh, I'm just at home. I've been banished to my son's bedroom, so uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's where I that's where I am at the minute. Just uh, yeah, just chilling out, laying on a bed. So it's nice of him to free it up for you. I think we appreciate that. You'll have to tell him thanks from us. Um, yeah. The, the yeah. first question I got, which yeah. was sort of tied in from from the intro, why were you squad number five? Um, oh. Well, I'll give you the I'll give you the the story behind it. Um, so basically, I signed for Norwich. I think I was, if not the first signing of that window, um, or maybe the second. I'm not sure. Um, and yeah, done it right at the start of the summer, uh, and I disappeared on my holidays, and. Yeah, I was in Portugal when I was actually in a bar called Barrington's, which is now not there anymore in Lobo, uh, with one of my friends. And we was uh, it was a driving range, and we used to sneak off there and pretend we was going to the driving range, but it'd be so me and my mate going to have a few beers um, uninterrupted. So, uh, yeah, we used to do that. Um, and every now and then we'd take the kids with us and just ply them with ice creams and um, continue to do the same thing. So, uh, um, yeah, we was down there, and uh, Gary Carza, if you remember, was uh, Paul Lambert's um, like head, of operations, wasn't head of operations. Yeah, it was good like round that. about it. That was what Paul used to say. Oh, he's good round about the place. Oh, that was it. That was all we got. Golf. He'd sort it out in a flash. He was brilliant. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so he was, um, he happened to be in the same place I was. And uh, uh, I actually know him and I know Ian Colbrouse because they're both from where I grew up. They're both from my neck of the woods, Enfield. Uh, so I knew Gary Carza, so I bumped into him. We started chatting and the conversation come up um, on, oh, by the way, we've been, I've been chatting and they want to know if uh, we can try and sort your squad number out. So we're having a beer and we're sorting, we're sorting the squad numbers out. And I said, well, I'd love to have number 20 because that's what I had uh, all my time at Stevenage. Um, and not that I'm superstitious at all, but it would just be nice if I'd have loved to have been able to have the same number for my whole career. I thought that, that, I thought that was something that would have been quite cool. Yeah. Um, had the same number at Millwall. Um, and yeah, so I was having the conversation and I said, I'd love number 20. And he said, well, right, let's see who's got number 20. And it was Leon Barnett. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, what other numbers are three? He said, number five. Um, and I said, well, surely Barney would rather be number five than number 20. <laughs> he said, oh. And he's gone, he's gone, yeah, it should be fine. I'll tell you what, I'll try and sort it out. So a couple of days went by trying to get Barney to wear number five so I could have number 20. Um, and obviously no one else had left Norwich then either. So there wasn't any other numbers free because I was, I think I was that early on in the window of the new players coming in. And um, yeah, so it went, over, went for a couple of days and Barney said he didn't want number five. He wanted number 20. He wanted to stay as number 20. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Okay. I said, what other numbers are spare? And he then started going down the list and I think it was, I don't know, they started going up in their 30s, the numbers. <laughs> and I just, I was just like, I don't want to have a squad number that high. Like No number there meant anything to me. I didn't feel anything. I felt like if I had a number like that, I would be a squad player, a sub. Um and I, and I was like, well, what other numbers are spare? And well, the only other number was spare was five. And I was just like, I'll have number five then. Fair play. If no one's got a problem with it, I'll have number five. And then I think Zidane was number five at the time, so I thought I could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you're so, following on from Darren Huckabee, who wore six, I suppose. Although a few few years yeah, have passed. Yeah, to be honest with you, as I said, it, I weren't... It, I was just happy with the move. I weren't really bothered. Um, <laughs> the only number I never wanted was number nine, because... I never really liked that number. Um, I never got on in that number very well. Um, obviously, Holt, we had number nine anyway. It was never a, <laughs> never going to be a question. But it was um, it was like when I went to Leeds, the first thing they said, oh, you're, you're going to have number nine. I was just like, I don't really want number nine. <laughs> but then ended up with number nine because it was one of those clubs where they gave you the number rather than you asking for your number. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because that, that happened when when Chris Hewitt come in. So we'd had the really successful first season, and it couldn't have well, we could have gone a bit better. But scoring double figures in my first year in the Prem, and us staying up so comfortably in the Premier League, and obviously as a club, it couldn't have gone much better, could it? Finishing no. mid-table, it, it, it was awesome. Um, and then Paul, and then Paul Lambert leaves, uh, understandably after three amazing years. Um, and then Chris Hewitt walks through the door and he's like, no, you're not wearing number five, you're wearing number 16. And I was just like, 
like I know, I know where this is going. If you know what I mean, no, yeah. pretty much um, number five was forever. I don't know who wore it after that. Oh, um, been, it's Sebastian Bassong, was it? Was it, was it oh, Sebastian Bassong? I think it was Bassong. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, this does, it does. That was the start of the downfall, really. Like, I know we stayed up that season. Uh, I know I left in the January. I know we stayed up, but you could see the club was on the decline at that time straight away because of signings like that so um, mm. just before we all uh, you know put life on hold you uh, you were unveiled as Cardiff Centre 23's boss that's good yes great move yeah yeah well I'd uh, obviously retired um, uh, went into a job with Northampton straight away as the assistant under 18's manager um, applied for various jobs along the over the last few months um Notably, the Stevenage manager's job, um, which Ooh. I never got. Um, did you get Did you get a call back or anything? I just got a message to say that um, he didn't think I was ready. Okay. Um, At least I got back to you. Job. Yeah, well, yeah. It's worked out really well since, to be fair. Good. Uh, for, for them. Because, um, yeah. <laughs> they're, uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And now, Carry on. And now got some. now got someone in charge who was less experienced than... I was at the time, but anyway. Yeah. Um, you can have that conversation uh, when you apply next time, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, it won't happen again. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I had a I had a, a long interview process with a Cardiff job, applied, like, I can't remember how long ago it was, like, but it's basically from start to finish, I think it took about six weeks to get the job. Well, uh, even though it was um, Neil Harris? Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's, this, uh, the under-23s comes under the academy. Oh, Okay doesn't come under the first team we're, we're, we're involved in the first team in terms of we train alongside them yeah but um, yeah so uh, the actual interview pro- the actual process was obviously you apply um, and then you do an interview uh, with the academy manager the directors uh, people like that uh, then you have to go and put on a coaching session in yeah. front of the academy manager and, and the powers that be um, and then, uh, yeah, and then followed it up with another interview with the um, with the CEO of the football club, um, and eventually got the job. So, uh, I mean, as um, a foot as a footballer, you don't have to do any of that stuff, do you? Just someone comes and headhunts you if oh, they no, like you, and then no, they sign yeah, you. I mean, exactly. this is this must be it quite was, alien. Oh, it was the most um, yeah surreal surreal thing because obviously like I said I've applied for numerous jobs and you don't even get like a, a message back or you get an email back to say thanks we'll be in touch and then that's kind of it um, yeah welcome to our worlds <laughs> whereas whereas as you said before it's you just go out there do your job and then if someone wants you they come and get you um, uh, and, and yeah it was it was a pro- it was really good like when I got the interview the first interview even if I didn't get the job it was going to be a great experience just having that first interview because ultimately like if you do if you mess up completely or uh, or whatever then at least you can ask questions and find out why you got it so wrong and improve for next time um luckily um being the type of person i am the quite a perfectionist i am and uh, uh attention to detail um i went in pretty confident of myself and my preparation that if I didn't, if I didn't get a second interview, it wasn't going to be based on my preparation. It was going to be based on maybe I just didn't fit yeah. the job. 
So, um, but yeah, no, all worked out really well in the end. And um, yeah, as I said, I had a really not really enjoyable five six weeks, and then. Yeah, I've been back since. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to uh, to Norwich, shall we? Um, which mm-hmm. is kind of why we're here. But can you can you remember how how the move um, came about? Was it is, was it an exciting one? Had, and had you been to Norwich much before? <laughs> was it like no, oh, it God, was, Norwich? Yeah, it was um, it was a long one. Um, it started in the January. Um, uh, Norwich and Notts Forest coming for me in the January. Um, and I really, really pushed for the move because I think we was all in the championship at the same time, but Notts Forest, I think, were even higher than you were at the time, Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really pushing for the move, but um, it never happened. Um, so I got on with the job in hand. And to be honest with you, when the summer came, I thought the Norwich move would have been dead in the water like for definite because obviously you got to the Premier League yeah um, and yeah it was purely a case of waiting to see whether Notts Forest would come back in for me um, and yeah I went away with Wales because I was playing for Wales then regularly uh, went to the Aviva tournament in Ireland and was playing uh, was in a hotel in Ireland somewhere and I remember just being on the coach and travelling and I got a phone call from Kenny Jacket to say Paul Lambert's been back in touch Um it's been going on the last couple of weeks and yeah, I think we've, we've, we've got to an agreement and I was like, all right, great. He said, but the only thing you need to do, and I said, right. (laughs) He said, um, you need to put a transfer request in. And I was like, well, but if you've already agreed, why do I need to do that? Um, and, uh, he just said, you just need to. I said, well, how do I do that then? He said, well, you need to go and get something written up and emailed or faxed over to us. And I was like, all right, I didn't really get it. And I remember pulling Craig Bellamy when I got to the hotel and having a chat with him and saying, look, Craig, what do I do? Like, I've never been in this situation. I don't know what it means. And he said, well, basically all they're trying to do is make you the scapegoat for the move. Um, But you've got to do what you've got to do if it's a move you want to do. And I said, what do you think? He said, are you ever going to get a chance to play in the Premier League again? I was like, don't know. He said, well, you've got to do it then. So I remember writing on a piece of paper in the reception of the hotel, um, I, Steve Morrison, formally put in a transfer request, signed it, faxed it over from the hotel. And I remember leaving the reception, walking back up to my room. And by the time I got into my room, it was going across the yellow thing at the bottom of Sky Sports to say that <laughs> I've handed the transfer request in. No uh, Outstanding. Then, so then I, um, yeah, I then carried on with the with the tournament, and then when I got back, um, yeah, jumped in my car. I had to drive straight up to Norwich. Obviously, there was a lot of furore going on uh, locally in the press with Millwall, etc. Um, and yeah, I remember I remember I made one of my biggest well could have been one of my biggest mistakes because I did an interview with a son um, to basically put my story straight because. One of the local press guys at Millwall, Alex Aldridge, he had run a story on me saying how much of a bad egg I was and that I'd forced the move and I'd done this, that and the other. Um, I'd forced the club to sell me and all this kind of stuff. And I then went and did my story with Paul Jeggins with a son because he was a good friend of mine. So mm. 
he knew that that hadn't happened and we had a relationship. So I did that kind of interview, but I said, look, we can't release it obviously until it's done and dusted. Uh, we're Norwich. Yeah. Um, so I went up, did my, did my deal with, with Norwich, um, did my medical. Um, and then I drove back. Uh, it was all signed. I thought everything was done. And then I got a phone call about an hour after I left from the gaffer, like Paul Lambert at the time saying, um, Steve, nothing to worry about, but we won't get your results back for your medical until tomorrow. So hold off saying anything to anybody. We haven't announced it, but I'd done all my pictures and everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, right, shit. And I was, he was like, what, what, what's happened? And I said, well, I've done an interview with the son telling my story, and obviously it's running tomorrow morning. And he was like, ah, oh, right. So, like, frantically trying to, like, get it all sorted out. And I think luckily... Um, I think Neil Reynolds at the time, who was the Norwich physio, yeah, managed to get the results that evening, just to confirm that everything was okay. We knew everything was okay anyway because I'd played every single game of the last two seasons. But yeah. it was the first time I'd ever had a full like body MRI, which took hours. Do you know what I mean? And obviously they had to check everything. Yeah. Um, but luckily we we got the results back that night because of that situation. So the story was able to run the next day and obviously they could announce that I had signed and that. Um, but yeah, that was my first my first kind of furore into like the Premier League world where nah. it's kind of a big a big story and I'd nearly like yeah, oh, it was a, a right mess. So I learned I learned my lesson and uh, as you do in life you don't don't let it happen again, do you? No, this is true. This is true. He, you know, he, we we had to then be on best behaviour when we all spoke to you while you were at Norwich. So I think we did that. I think isn't Alex? Didn't Alex become Millwall's football like head of recruitment or something? He's like head that? of recruitment now. Yes, he it's is. Not bad yeah. going, is it? Gosh, I, I might have put my put a word into uh, Stuart Weber. See if I can get a job. Well, yeah, good job with that, Michael. Yeah, yeah, literally. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows I can't spot a player, so it's absolutely fine. Um, um, uh, go, go on, Steve. S- Steve, I, I. I remember as, as a as a fan at that time obviously you were massively on the crest of a wave to successful promotions and everything so when you signed i think most people were pretty confident at the club that we'd stay up the only nagging doubt i remember having was the, the lack of premier league experience in the squad and obviously you then signed a load of players that were successful from the lower leagues think of yourself uh, mm. anthony pilkinson uh, elliot bennett bradley johnson was, was that yeah. something that bothered the squad at all or or did did you kind of were you still confident regardless of that well I think what what Paul Lambert did which was um, he signed a squad that had no fear because mm. we had no fear of failure because we hadn't failed we'd all been successful in our own rights um, we'd all gone a lot of us had come through the leagues um, and Paul said it to all of us in, in our first meetings I'm sure he did he definitely said it to me. He said, don't worry about the Premier League. It's all a myth. And we kind of was like, what do you mean by that? And he said, all you ever see is the good bits. Remember that. All you ever see in the good bits on, on TV, all you ever watch on TV is the good bits. Don't worry about it. And his biggest power was his man management. And he, he put a group of players together that had all the tools to succeed. And, and we did. And 
don't get me wrong, we all sat there. I remember there used to be a little group of us, me, Benno, Pilks, uh, Jono. We all, um, we, all had, we all moved from different parts of the world, obviously, uh, uh, Bradley Johnson I played it at Stevenage when he come on loan there um, Elliot Benley, Bennett funnily enough me and him went to the same sprint school uh, in the off season that season so we had already met previously for signing sprint um, school hang on what's this sprint school we went to a place called Sports Dimensions which uh, they force you to run at faster speeds than what you can do normally <laughs> sounds so lovely so change your body to be able to do it change your gait and all that kind of stuff who was quicker yeah I don't know we never tested it at the time fair um, enough I'd, 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 have, I'd have backed myself about them um, <laughs> But yeah, so we used to and we used to stay at the Holiday Inn at the um, at the stadium, and yeah, I remember we used to sit there and like we should be sitting in the bar or having a coffee or we'd be sitting over having some food or something at Nando's or and we always used to sit there and go, are we even going to play? Are we even <laughs> going to like? What's this? How's this going to work? Like, none of us have played in the Premier League before, and I remember Vaughan signing, and we'd be like, oh, he's going to play. And then we was like, oh, he scored like 30 goals last year. He's going to be playing. Like, it was just like, where do we even fit into this group? Because um, I remember the first team that he picked that first game of the season against Wigan. I think I was the only kind of newcomer. Mm. I want to say, I think we played four, four, four diamond two. And it was me and Holtley up front with Wes behind. I think it was Foxy, Crofty, and it may have even been Sirs. Yeah, I think that's a shout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the back four was pretty much as it was the season before: Russ Martin, uh, Zach. Um, who would have been right centre half? Barnett. Barnett and left was Martini. Number twenty, um, Leon Barnett. So. <laughs> Me getting into that team was massive because I think Chrissy Martin obviously was the one that come out. Um, me getting into that for me was huge yeah. uh, because obviously I broke and I think he picked that. He would have picked that team minus me regardless of how preseason went because I think he felt like he owed that group that mm. opening game of the season yeah. because of what they did off the back of last season. And for me to break into that group was huge. I, I can't even remember preseason. I can't even think oh, i had an amazing pre-season or anything like that it was just standard the, um, th- the the big thing i remember from that pre-season was um was john ruddy's oh no that was that the season before we made the mistake against everton it was the season before wasn't it yeah they won that season yeah uh, we never played everton yeah I but yeah don't so remember anything either um yeah so for, for me personally to break into that that team was huge um and i remember in the game getting a smashed head i think having a gash above my head and um, I think I set up the equaliser because we went 1-0 down and I set up the goal and I kind of especially for the first six months of that season I never looked back I, I think mm-hmm. there was lots of times I was starting up front on my own uh, with Holtie on the bench and Holtie coming on for me and stuff like that so um, yeah it was we had well, I said we had no fear we, we didn't really know what to expect we all doubted we'd even be involved um, but yeah the, the group in the dressing room it was it was unbelievable we just we all got on. Um, there was no egos in the dressing room. I think that was huge. That's what changed. 
Um, mm. There was no egos. We just mm-hmm. we just got on. I said there were so many like nonsense stories that used to go on about that dressing room, and that dressing room was just a bunch of normal people that had played at between us. We'd played at every single level of English football, I reckon, from mm. Ryman Prem myself to Holty playing wherever and. Russ playing non-league and Crofty, like all of us just playing wherever just to just to have a career and it all kind of culminated in that season and us like, all coming together to to yeah what, what I don't even know what we finished that season but I know it was like I think we had a cigar in from March <laughs> well yeah yeah I think there was one nice win there was one nice win at Spurs later on I think that was the last box to tick yeah, from Beno's, the season back Beno's, yeah um, Brilliant goal. Beno's, that was. Beno's goal and but yeah, it was just comfortable, wasn't it? There was yeah. so many, so many great nights at Carrow Road, like I remember beating Newcastle for like four two and um yeah, just so many great like going to Anfield and drawing one all, drawing one all at Everton. Um obviously we had the big result at Arsenal last game of the season. Um I remember like a huge game, like a big one and for me as well, like when we beat West Brom two one away and I scored mm. a header late late on in the game like their teams around us they're the teams we needed to win and we was winning those games and we'd even go to Man City and I think at one point we was I think I scored and we went 3-1 down and then we lost 5-1 and Balotelli scored the chested goal and <laughs> all that kind of stuff but do you know I mean we went to Man City and we lost 5-1 but we had a go and, yeah. and we, we, uh, we we scored like we went 3-0 down and we scored like we didn't go and get 5-6 and six nil um yeah, it was just it was just no, it was it was great. It was just a fantastic season, and I think it showed with the way we played that we didn't we didn't fear anyone, and and that's what we really enjoyed. We we just had a right go. I think at the time those seasons are probably hard to uh, appreciate fully because you've got promoted or the team have got promoted. Everyone just sort of expects a degree of success to continue, and then when it does, it's like look at how well it's going. But I think this this season for Norwich City kind of underlines how good that team was and how well it did in adjusting to the Premier League. I've I've actually got here um, your assist um, on the debut, and that was for Wes, wasn't it? Wes scored that. Yeah, Wes. Wigan. Um, Wes, one of your favourite players to play alongside. Everyone loves Wes, don't they? Yeah, everyone loves Wes. Is a, what a talent, what a boy, what a lad. Um, he was, he was just as good off the pitch as he was on it. Um, <laughs> quiet but mental at the same time. He was, um, <laughs> yeah, he, look, he, he he was great. I, I don't think I ever really appreciated Wes as much as maybe I should have, um, but. I didn't, I didn't, I don't, I don't know if I did, I don't remember massively me and Wes having that connection where he'd set me up loads. I don't think it was ever like that because I think, I know Wes played a lot, but he wasn't as um, instrumental as maybe he'd been in the previous seasons, mm. if you know what I mean. Like yeah. it was, uh, it was more of a collective, a collective thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. That season in the Prem and, I think with with what you guys had seen from especially Wes and Grant over the two seasons previous, the game was so easy for him. I feel like you've got a good Wes story in you, Steve. Wes? Yeah. Story when you can Wes. tell us. <laughs> I haven't really. Wes was just... Oh. Uh, ones I've got, uh, yeah. 
Chris can't tell you about the Christmas do ones. I'm like doing forward <laughs> rolls in bars and stuff like that. I can't tell you about them. But um, <laughs> no, like to be fair, I, I haven't really. It was. Do you know what? We, do you know what that year? That year we didn't have a Christmas do. Oof. Didn't have a Christmas night out because um, Gaffer gave us an opportunity to um, have a Christmas night out or stay in the Premier League. <laughs> so we all chose not to have one um love that yeah so it was it, do you know what it was one of those seasons where it was just work time yeah fair enough we turned up we grafted we enjoyed ourselves within within the dressing room um every day at training we worked hard we got the job done um and yeah do you know what it would have been great it would have been fantastic just to have one more year with Lambert yeah, in the Prem just to see whether a few signings, a few tweaks here or there if we could have kicked on and not not kicked on like as if we were going to go and start challenging for Europe and that but kicked on as in like just do that again like I, just I think, do what do what we did that season again I, been, I, I think nice. that's how everyone probably looks back at that period now probably Paul as well <laughs> which actually filters into a question from Hodgie who's our um, Scottish uh, friend of the pod um, he wanted to know uh, whether Paul Lambert would have been as successful without Ian Culverhouse um, yeah, yeah yeah of course yeah it's um, do you know what Cully was Cully was great at um, yeah he was just Cully was just his coach um, mm. we don't know what happened behind the scenes because um, we'd never see it all we'd see was uh, of a training day Ian and Gary Cars would be out on the training ground setting up um, Ian would take Ian Colbert would take most of the sessions Um Paul uh, Lambert would would take some of the sessions when we were doing tactical work and shape work, um, but yeah, I, I think what happened behind the scenes, whether they were were we did we never we never focused massively on the tactical side of the game, um, so I don't know how much they did within, or whether that was how they picked their teams and stuff like that, um, but. Yeah, if you didn't have someone like Paul Lambert's man management skills, it wouldn't have mattered who was his coach. Yeah, I can see that. Do you know what I mean? Like, Ian Colverhouse was great, but if he had someone who was really bad at managing the people, it doesn't matter what Ian Colverhouse did on the training ground because he wouldn't have had the buy-in from the players. Yeah. Was, it, was that the main difference? That, was that the main yeah, difference between Paul Lambert and Chris Hutton, do you think, Steve? Um. Yeah, it was just it was two different styles, wasn't it? It was, um, it was. I don't want to lose, and I'm going to defend for my life, Chris Hutton. And yeah. Paul Lambert was like, "We're going to go and have a go." I'd yeah. rather lose. <laughs> I'd rather lose four nil, but have a go, than lose four nil and not have a go. Um, and look, let's no one's who's who's right, who's wrong. Um, that season, Paul Lambert was right. The next season, you can arguably say Chris Hutton was right because you stayed up. But then the next season went down. Um, and then when he went to, to Brighton, he was successful again. So, But you can definitely see with 
Chris Hewton's style, that that's his style because he did the same thing at Brighton. Um, he had the same setup, the same style, played the same way. Um, but I think ultimately, I think that style has a bit of a shelf life um, mm-hmm. because it only lasts so long before before it kind of it grinds the players mentally um, and eventually they start to fall off a little bit and I think that happened at Brighton and I think it definitely well you lot know better than me but I know from a player's point of view being in Chris Hewton's dressing room it was a really frustrating frustrated dressing room um, and I think that's because if it's not going well you start to get frustrated because the, the inner the inner fighter wants to come out of you and you're just like, I oh, just want to have a go. Gaffer, can't we just have a go this week? Or when we'd have our meetings after and we'd lose and we'd say, would anyone do anything differently? And we'd say, well, maybe we'd have had a go second half. We was already 3-0 down. Why don't we just stick two forwards on and see if we can get a goal back? It's, it's, in, it's interesting. You can definitely tell watching a side when they're, um, when they're coached really well, but they, they enjoy what they're doing. And compared to, say, a, a side that's coached, but you can tell they're either overcoached or they're not they're not really enjoying it i think you can you can there's just something about watching a, a team play together i think you can tell the difference what Absolutely. i've um what i've got here um steve um your premier premier league career with norwich was 10 goals four assists in 37 appearances or as i've worked it out 23 90 minutes is that right. good happy with that yeah I mean, you can't bad. change it now obviously but <laughs> no well yeah it's um as i said i look i look back on it and Unfortunately, all that anyone ever remembers is the last things that happened, and um, uh, I, I look back on it as, yeah, mental. Like I scored three seasons, two seasons prior to that season in the Premier League, I was playing in the National League. Nuts! Um, that, I mean, that is nuts. The next season, I scored twenty-three goals, got promoted from League One. The next season, I scored seventeen goals, finishing tenth in the champ. And then the season after, I'm playing in the Premier League, scoring ten goals, and playing playing for Wales in every single game. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to wants to question me or wants to bring up like negative stuff, I just focus on that because that's that's an achievement in itself. And um, well, just to, just to I, throw I a quick every minute one. Of it. Just to throw a quick one in on that, I was having a look at the numbers on this and um, from what I can see, Steve, you've got 10 goals and assists in your first 16 games in the Premier League um, and this century for Norwich City, the only two players that have done it faster than that are Pukki and Ashton. So it's faster than Holtley, faster than Huckabee, faster than Wes. So uh, you obviously just hit the ground running like basically no one has done for us in recent years. That's why Steve's here so that he can uh, make everyone feel good, you see. And he's just done that to you. <laughs> I try, no, I try. Like, as I said, it was, it was, look, <clears throat> I was most probably, it was most probably, I had it at Norwich, I had it at Leeds, like, and people have had it at Millwall since I've left. So when you, when you, um, when you follow people who uh, is hero the right word um, yeah are loved so much by fans um, like for me to to for example overthrow Holty it, it was never going to happen mm. I'd have had to have been there three years and scored 
X amount of goals every year, but I joined my first season when Norwich was in the Premier League. So, like, the chance of me actually doing that was slim to none. Um, all I was there to do was help, and I got, I'd like to think I got that season off to the start it needed to with my performances because the second half of the season, I played second fiddle to Holtie. Um, hmm. Holtie kicked on second half of the season, and I was kind of his backup which was fine. But what happened that season was people forgot what I did at the start of the season and only concentrated what I did in the second half of the season. And the only thing they remember from the second half was me scoring the equaliser against Arsenal. Um, hence why I, I, I celebrated the way I did in that game because I was getting a hell of a lot of stick. And I was really frustrated because I just scored 10 goals in the first half of the season and put us where we were. And remember, a lot of those goals, games, Holtie didn't even play. Yeah. Mm. So that was, that, was, that was where my frustration was born out of that time. And then when I went to Leeds, don't get me wrong, my Leeds career was an absolute nightmare. But I went to <laughs> Leeds off the back of Becchio leaving to go to Norwich. And their thought process on that was uh, Becchio got sold so I could come in. Whereas I've told my story since and people will yeah. choose to believe it or not. But Becchio, all I did was sign the contract Becchio didn't want to sign. <laughs> and somehow Becchio came to Norwich and got paid double what I was getting paid at Norwich. Well, I mean, we never played a game. We're still waiting for Luciano Becchio to hit the ground running because I think that was what he was supposed to do when he when he came down here. But what actually what I was going to say, Steve, is you did a cracking interview with with Phil Hay um, yes. a few months ago. That's over at the yes. Athletic, so um, mm. it's well worth a read because it's it's a brilliant read on on how that move all came about and um, yeah. <laughs> and your time at, at, at Leeds. Um, yeah. I mean, what I, what there's probably one question to round up this bit, which is. Um, from Ben Mounser, our podcast colleague, and, and then filters into one from me, which is how fondly do you look back on your time at Norwich, given how it ended and all that? But also, did, did, oh. you, did you feel underappreciated? Um, do you know what? I didn't really think about it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I went there. I My son was just born. Um, he was literally eight weeks old when I signed. Um, we had a great, great time. and really enjoyed being in Norwich. Um, yeah, do you know what? Absolutely loved it. I don't, I don't regret any of it. Um, if, if the only thing I regret is, uh, well, no, I, sorry, the only thing that uh, I look back with frustration is the fact that Paul Lambert left because we'd had such a good time, um, yeah. and it just kind of all, all, just went for me personally so quickly, um, and then obviously. It was just, um, yeah, the second half of that second, the start of that season was a frustrating one. Um, and yeah, it culminated, it culminated in me ended up having what an, an awful two and a half years. Got injured against Man City, you know, about the first 28 minutes with a, a quad tear. I think it's like 16 centimetre quad tear or something. It was, Ouch. It was yes. not great. Um and yeah, to be honest with you, for about two and a half years, I never recovered from it because I was always, I was always chasing, chasing my form. I was always chasing my fitness. Um, it wasn't until I had a bit of a break from the game, um, 
for about three or four months, which no one even noticed because I was doing that bad. Um, <laughs> but got myself back to to somewhere um, near my best. Uh, but obviously, I'd lost I'd lost a bit of pace because because of the injury, um, and yeah, kind of went back to Millwall and ended up like reinventing myself a little bit as a, as a bit of a target man because. I think you guys will know at Norwich. I was never a target man. I was a runner. <laughs> you were, um, <laughs> but that, and that come that factors into the fact. I remember us having a chat because um, we had a chat after the game at the at the Den when you guys beat Norwich's um, beat Daniel Farkas Norwich four nil in his fifth game. I mean that mm. that game is is held up as a as a watershed Turning moment point. here. And and yeah, you, we had a yeah. really good chat after that. And you, you, you spoke about how look, this side's going to get annihilated if they keep playing like this. Cause it was so, I, I paraphrased you there. I don't think they're the exact words you used, but yeah. I mean, it, it was a remarkable turnaround from them in the space of 18 months, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, it was, um, it was incredible. Like, yeah, they played, look, he obviously had to make changes, Like, unfortunately, like love Russ Martin, but like that was, I've played against Russell loads of times and that was the easiest game I've ever played against him. Um, uh, oh, he's not good like that. <laughs> no, but it was just, it just was like, it just like, if you look at the first goal, I think it was Zimmerman I pulled off of and um, I just nodded a ball down and like, he didn't even track the runner. Um, mm. And like, uh, Greg scored and look, we knew you lot coming to us that day at the Den playing the way you played. Um, we were just going to soak it up and we were going to hit you as much as we could and we looked at all of everything you'd done and physically you just couldn't you wouldn't you couldn't cope with the physical side of the game and it was quite clear um, and obviously what they did when you came to us the next season I think I would I think I was quoted somewhere saying that's the best team I've played against in the champ for a long time there you go and I think that's that's where that's where that was the amazing uh, turnaround wasn't it I think yeah. you went um, that's how good you lot become but then I think we that season we finished really comfortably in the terms of we just missed out on playoffs I think we come eight yeah. and then the next season we finished fourth bottom and you finished top mm. or whatever you finished yeah so right. it was uh, it was I think that game wasn't it I think that was the kind of I think there was calls for Daniel Farker after that game wasn't there I think the yeah the, the, the fans were pretty good but I think they were a little bit like Holy, yeah. Because yeah, you don't think no one get beat four 0 Yeah, <laughs> it was Russ's final game. Was it Russ's final game? Russ's uh, final it, game. It yeah. was Russ's final game. I think. I think Mark, Marcel Franca probably um, had much more uh, in terms of the blame um, <laughs> for it. And I think also it was his final game as well, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably pretty much. Yeah, and also Which Harrison. He, he was the other centre back, I think. Exactly. I, I oh, can't yeah, remember now. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was. He it was, was Marcel Franca, and I think um, half of Norwich's problem. He was, was a lot bigger. He was a lot bigger than Russ. Yeah, but I just—I always remember him just not wanting to head the ball. Yeah, it was—it um, was a rude Harrison awakening. Reed was, Harrison Reed was centre yeah. mid, wasn't he? Well, that was what I was—that was yes, the point I was going to make. Harrison Reed, <laughs> Reed was tasked with basically uh, covering the entire back four in front of them, and um, yeah, I don't think he quite could uh, could manage no. it. But that, no, no one probably would have managed it. Um, and the, the only other question I was going to ask—we've got one more section after this, so we're rattling on because time's nuts. But um, have you have you still got your chickens? No, I'm, uh, they kept, uh, I bought oh, them here. I bought them here. Yeah. And they went in with the goats. Right. They used to live with the goats, but then they started committing suicide. Oh, God, that's really... Oh, okay. That's taken a turn for the dark. Right. So they started 
they kept jumping on the fence. Yeah. And I kept watching them going, please jump back into the goats. Please jump back into the goats. I've got five dogs all sitting there watching you going, please jump in the garden. Okay. Please jump in the garden. Oh, and that's no. what they decided to keep. Continue. And then we only had a couple left. So we took them to oh, the God. farm. Okay. Yeah. Of a well, that's. And let them. Uh, <laughs> Let them roam free. Oh, okay. oh, that's a lovely ending. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Any, any. So you got? Have you still got the goats? Yeah, yeah I got cut. Yeah, two two pygmy goats, a couple of horses. Um, Love it. Five dogs and a cat and what else have I got? See. Yeah. I whittled them I... down. I used to have some sheep and that, but I got rid of them. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we won't ask about how the sheep ended up. Um, but there we go. Farmer, <laughs> farmer Morrow. I love it. Yeah. Thanks to our good pals at beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious, painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com slash on the ball and pay the postage of £4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener to On the Ball, you'll get two extra free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Africa, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com slash on the ball to get your case free. And don't forget right now on the ball listeners get two extra free beers. Okay, so uh, not so much Desert Island Discs as Carrow Road Classics. I'm going to r- rattle through some set pieces, Steve. Um, just yep. answer these questions as we go along. Uh, your Norwich City highlight. Highlight? Um, yeah. Personally, it was walking out of Anfield. Um, uh, yeah, dream come true as a kid. Uh, walking out in the starting lineup. I think there wasn't another game in that season that I wanted to definitely start in. Oh, wow. And uh, I started in that game, and uh, yeah, obviously I scored goals and at Carroll Road with some great nights. But just for me, as a as a as a person, just like that moment of you never walk alone, starting as you walk out of the tunnel is um, yeah. If you haven't played football or you've never watched football, you'd never quite understand that moment. Brilliant, oh, boyhood Liverpool fan. I, I like Liverpool. Okay, I, just, well, that's I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a fan of anyone really. <laughs> <laughs> you'd have been proud of Holtie's header if you'd scored that, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. That was what, a great what header. Cool game. game. Um, it, here's an awkward one. Favorite teammate. Favorite team? What in at Norwich? Yeah. Um, I got. I roomed with Andy Sermon. Um, got on really well with him. Um, I. I spent a hell of a lot of time with Holty. Um so that's nice. mostly say I'd say Holty as a uh yeah, as someone I spent most of my time with and uh yeah, we still got we we still uh, we we still chat now, so uh yeah, Holty. I like that. Um someone you had to make up with. Make up with? Yeah. It was a roundabout uh, way of me asking you who you fell out with. <laughs> um uh, Paul Tanner, the physio. Oh, really? What did he do? <laughs> yeah. He didn't cut uh, your he, quad, did he? <laughs> no, nah, he fined me for something. Um, it was 200 quid. Ooh. No, 
Not Paul Tanner, Neil Reynolds. Or Paul's so got a flat he find me. He find, yeah, Paul will play the part. So he find me <laughs> 200 quid for something. I felt it was harsh. And then I said, I'm not paying you. And he said, you are paying me. I said, okay, I'm going to pay you in pennies. And he goes, I don't <laughs> care how you pay me. Just make sure you pay me. So <laughs> we went to the gym, me and Paul, because I was injured at the time. And I went to the bank and I ordered 200 pounds worth of pennies and they went, okay, come back in a couple of days. So I start, <laughs> carried on arguing with Neil about not paying him. And in the end, I went to the bank with Paul because Paul got in trouble for it because he shouldn't have assisted me in it <laughs> because he's a member of staff. And we got to my car and then I got one of the couple of the youth team boys to help me and we got a wheelbarrow and we filled up a wheelbarrow of pennies and then wow. wheelbarrowed it all the way into the training ground and, and dumped it in his uh, <laughs> in his physio room. That's that's <laughs> outstanding. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, tell us something we don't know about your time at Norwich. Although I feel like you've already told us a few things. They don't know about my time at Norwich. Um, um, I don't really have anything. Um, well, no, you most be well, the only thing that me and Grant started off a greyhound business. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but I know, I know about that because I was at the you launch. Know about that. I was at the launch yeah. of it. Um, that I don't know. We still have the greyhound business. About That's that. good news. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well done. <laughs> yeah. So. We'll see. We'll get down to Yarmouth Dogs uh, at the other side of uh, all this shenanigans. Um, how yeah. about your top three Norwich goals? Top three Norwich goals. Um, uh, Number one would be my volley against uh, Blackburn Rovers. Yes. Yeah, beauty. Absolute beauty. Um, number two would be my my first goal against Sunderland. Lovely. Was, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, was... I was going the wrong way and I managed to get enough power on it to get before the goalie. Yeah. Um, as an actual goal and I know I made it look quite easy at the time but it was a good finish was the um the volley against Arsenal yeah I, we were in the press box right behind that finish at Arsenal and that that was a that was such it was a, one of those moments a beautifully a, clean finish when you when you hit a football and you know it's a goal before yeah. it's even uh touched the back of the net love that brilliant moment um if you bumped into an orange fan on the street now what would you say to them Hopefully you get promoted again next year. <laughs> oh, girl, that's a, that's a slap on the cheeks, isn't it? We'll take it, though. Um, and um, and then final question. Nominate a former Norwich teammate to come on to this podcast next. And I'll do my best to um, get him on. Well, I think someone who, who will be not very busy at the minute, um, but he might have some interesting uh, stories. It's got to be Russ Martin. <laughs> well Good there luck, we go Michael. challenge down I'll have a cheers Steve let's hope he wasn't listening to this one though. yeah yeah I was going to say you've single-handedly blamed him for the Millwall uh, for the 4-0 Millwall and we <laughs> haven't even as you said as you said him and him and the other centre I've never played again off the back of that well yeah, yeah fair, fair <laughs> so you're not helping me here Steve um, but we didn't even get to talk about your goal at Carrow Road for Millwall which was an absolute cracker yeah, it was all good that one, wasn't it? I was getting plenty of stick there. You enjoyed though. that. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. it. Yeah, it was. Um, 
the one that frustrated us the most, I think, was the season before when, oh no, the season after or the season season after where I come off the bench. That was the four three, wasn't it? And we went three two up after I come off the bench, and I thought, oh, this is great. And then we lost four three. What an iconic, iconic. I mean that that the atmosphere in that ground was nuts, wasn't it? I know you were on the end of it, but yeah, no, it was it was. Do you know what? It was like one of those, yeah, because we did it to Leeds the previous season, didn't we? You did, Being you did. We went two 0 up, and that was at Ellen Road, though, wasn't it? That was at Ellen Road, yeah, and we beat them four three. I bet you enjoyed I nearly, that. I nearly, one. I nearly didn't. I nearly didn't survive. I nearly didn't get home. <laughs> I didn't. I remember stopping at service station, and then like the police having to be called because of the amount of people that wanted to kill me. Wow. It was, uh, it was quite a... Uh, it's all fun and games. Well, I tell you what, all Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm... more pop- I'm more popular than you, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leeds love me. Uh, no um, one's more unpopular than me at, at, at Leeds, sorry. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm glad they didn't kill you, Steve, because that meant you got to come on the podcast. So um, yes. we'll let you get on. We've gone massively no over time, but it was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining no us. We really appreciate it. We'll try and get Russ on. No Top problem. man. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the Rush Cutters Public House in Norwich, where we've recorded this this podcast before. But also, there are several, many pubs and restaurants in Norwich um, that are wonderful places, and we really hope to see on the other side of this uh, football and I suppose social <laughs> suspension of life. So, a shout out there. But also, if there's any businesses you know in Norwich or Norfolk that you feel uh, deserve a shout out, um, or maybe they're they're still operating but they're having to do that online now only uh, then let us know uh, send me a message on twitter at michael j bailey or send me a direct message and we'll make sure that we give them a shout out over the coming weeks well mr sanders did you enjoy that i did yeah yeah i thought it was fantastic um so interesting to hear those stories from that time um and obviously not all of it was good but just to kind of bring those memories back of that incredible premier league season that we had of which morrison was a huge part and i think we kind of forget that um yeah so so interesting and it's some interesting stuff as well about hewton and um and song as well <laughs> clearly no love lost there but that sounds like it's a that's another story right yeah i think yeah we'll say that for another podcast it's so interesting i mean it, it would be it would be fascinating in a parallel parallel world to see how that norwich team got on with a, another season under paul lambert mm. but uh there we go yeah. maybe, maybe paul wished um, that um, <laughs> Yeah, and I and I think the I think the comparison between Lambert and Hewton sort of laid bare by a player who played under both managers was was a fascinating aspect of that as well. It was indeed brilliant stuff. Well, uh, thanks for your input, Steve. Um, now we awesome. will uh, we're going to hold on the quiz um, for another week. We're going to roll over. So, um, Steve, you've got more questions to ask, but we'll do it next week. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, rock and roll over. That's the double way. Points. And we <laughs> double, yeah, double the prizes, which is just our respect. But I mean, that's a good prize. Um, and of course, um, we'll also give you the answers to the three questions from last week as well. I can't remember what they are, but if you want to hear them, just listen to last week's uh, pod and you'll be able to hear what the questions are. But I think yeah. uh, we should wrap up on the ball for this week. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you did, please tell your friends, family and fellow Norwich supporters. If you'd like to get in touch with us, just sling me a tweet or direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey. And in the meantime, a massive thank you uh, to Steve Morrison for all his time. And a big thank you to you too, Mr. Steve Sanders. You're welcome. That was very easy this week. It was, wasn't it? 
he says Touchwood. Um, thank you everyone for listening we're going to do it again uh, next week with another Canaries companion as I'm calling them for our latest edition of On The Ball a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic it looks like I'm going to be ringing Russell Martin <laughs> uh, until then a very good night to you